You're listening to Your Magical Midlife, the podcast for women 40 and up. I'm Kate Higgins. I'm your host. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and coach, and I'm here to be your guide, your friend, and your mentor. I'm here to help you find the magic in your midlife. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back. I hope that you are having an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening to my show. Today, I am going to talk about giving yourself permission to enjoy your life. Now, why am I talking about that? I feel like as a woman and a woman who grew up in the 70s and 80s, in a middle-class household on Staten Island in New York, going to Catholic school, being raised in a home where I got distinct messaging that you should just have a regular life that other people understand. You shouldn't ask for so much. You shouldn't dream of so much. You should just have regular things like a regular person and stay within the coloring lines in your little coloring book and don't ask for too much, don't be too much, don't have too much. And I'm still working on unraveling those messages. And I wanted to share a story with you because I think it's helpful for me to think back on it and maybe it will be helpful for you to hear. It involves a little bit of backstory. So if you are unfamiliar with me and my work, I'll have to do a little explaining. So if you're a friend of mine or you know me, maybe you know this part already. But for those who are just stumbling upon my podcast, here's some backstory. I used to be a burlesque performer. And I didn't start performing until I was 38. And the reason why I started performing burlesque was to resolve some of my lingering body image issues. And I was working as a social worker during the whole time I was performing. And it was kind of a secret life that I had on the side. And I was always attracted to sparkly things. When I was a child, I took dance lessons for years and years and years, and I wanted to be an actress and a dancer when I grew up. And I was told by the time I hit puberty that that was not going to be possible for me. I was never going to be thin enough to be a ballerina. My butt was too big. My boobs were too big. I wasn't going to be strong enough to be on point at, quote-unquote, your weight. And unless I starved myself down, it was not possible. When I was 16, I auditioned in front of a very famous acting coach, Lee Strasberg. She was actually Marilyn Monroe's acting coach at one point, and I was taking courses, a Saturday class at 
the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And they had all of us in that course audition for Ms. Strasberg, who was a very intimidating woman. She was a sort of a classic Austrian, I think, Austrian, um, serious black turtleneck sweater, big horn rim glasses, stylized blonde hair, black box theater, smoking her cigarette in the theater because it was like 1984 when this audition happened or 1985. I must have been like 14 or 15. Maybe I was 16. I can't quite remember. I have blocked this out because it was a pivotal moment in my life, but the details are pretty hideous. So, and this would never happen now in the day and age where everyone gets a participation trophy, right? Just for existing. I grew up, and if you're listening to this, I imagine you did as well, in the 70s and 80s where you could lose a contest or you could be cut from a team or told you couldn't be in a play and that was the end of it. You were just told to your face, you weren't good enough. So that was the time I grew up in. Anyway, so I get to my audition. I'm very excited about it because I'm a pretty good actress, or I was when I was a child. And I had a decent singing voice, which I definitely do not now. And I get to my audition, and I get through my audition, and Lee Strasberg looks me in the face and says to me in her Austrian accent, which I will not try to replicate, I will take you on as a student under the following conditions. You need to lose 20 pounds. You need to get your nose fixed. And you need to get diction and voice lessons to eliminate your heavy regional accent. And my mother, when I came out and I was a little teary about the whole thing, I said, she'll take me, but I need to do X, Y, and Z. My mother, who was very pragmatic and very serious and had a very limited view of what was possible for herself and me and pretty much everybody else, she said to me, Katie, we're not doing that. We're just, we're not doing that. You're not getting, I'm not paying for a nose job. You can just forget it and you can be a school teacher, a nurse, a librarian, ideally, you know, what she really meant was stay at home on Staten Island, marry a firefighter or a cop or someone with a union job and stay small, get a house with a white picket fence, have three children and live a life that is expected and like everybody else that you see around you. And before I go on and talk further, I'm going to say that if you are a wife and a mother and you married a firefighter or a cop and you're a teacher or a librarian or a nurse or anything like that, there's nothing wrong with that life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that life. It just wasn't what I wanted. So fast forward, I tried intermittently to build a semblance of a life that other people understood off and on for my whole adulthood. And I went to social work school when I was 28. 
because I needed to do something with myself before I hit 30. That was a big pressure I put on myself. I couldn't just go go in nightclubs like I was doing and drink and make out with cute boys and be a receptionist, which is how I spent most of my 20s. So I got my serious job. I got my degree. I was working at a hospital. And I still had that inkling that I, I just needed I just needed to sparkle a little bit. So I took a course at the New York School of Burlesque and I started a semi-career in showbiz at 38, which led to performing at festivals, which led to performing, being invited to perform at the Hawaii Burlesque Festival. Now, this was a big deal for me. It was, I was so excited to be performing in Hawaii. But also, I felt an incredible wave of guilt. How dare I perform so far away from my little home base in Brooklyn? How dare I spend the money to get myself all the way to Hawaii. Because when you perform at a burlesque festival, you get a honorum, honorum? Um, you get like a little bit of money. You get like $50. <laughs> but that certainly isn't going to cover airfare, hotel, and food. Unless you're the headliner, they're not paying you more than maybe, maybe $100. I think, I think I got a check for $50 after I got home from the amazing Hawaii Burlesque Festival. But that's besides the point. That's not why you're performing. You're performing because you want to perform in Hawaii, right? So anyway, I made a pit stop in, L in LA and I performed at a lovely show there. And I saw my friend Kit. And then I got to the airport. Now, I'm going to confess something about myself that's going to make me sound pretty dumb, okay? And I want to remind you before I tell this, before I confess this, that I do in fact have a classical education. I went to Catholic school. I'm relatively smart. And I have a master's degree. However... Geography was not something I had a firm grasp of when I got to the airport. And so embarrassing. Maybe I shouldn't even say this in my podcast, but I'm going to. I'm going to admit it. I'm going to just admit it. I didn't know how far away Hawaii was. <laughs> when I got to the airport, I was surprised that it was like a six-hour plane ride off the coast of Los Angeles. And I said to the stewardess, and she laughed when I said this, I said, if it's so far away, why is it part of America? Like, do I sound like the, the, that, the dumbest girl in the mean girl lineup? Probably, right? Okay, so I didn't know. I didn't know. And also, I was cheap. I was cheap because I didn't know that Hawaii was so far away. And I didn't, realize 
that it may very well be a once in a lifetime adventure. So I booked myself like a cheapo hotel in Honolulu, which is where the festival was. And I was also already incredibly racked with guilt that I was being invited to perform in Hawaii and that I took that opportunity because a couple of bad things had happened that year to people I love very, very much. My boyfriend was laid off from his job right after his mother died. And he was living in a studio apartment in Queens, in a basement. So that was that. There was already that. And then the same year, around the same time, my mom was diagnosed with kidney failure. And I just had so much guilt of making this trip to paradise by myself. Like, who am I to enjoy my life when other people have so much going on, have struggles, have things that are so serious. Like they can't, they can't go. They can't go to Hawaii and swim in the Pacific Ocean. They can't afford it. They can't enjoy themselves. Like, how dare I? How dare I pack my rhinestone encrusted costume in my bag and fly to Hawaii? How dare I? So I had so much conflict, conflict, so much internal conflict about my trip to Hawaii. So much guilt that I booked myself in like, I can't even remember the name of the hotel, but it was the equivalent of like a Red Roof Inn in Honolulu. It was the cheapest hotel I could find. And I only stayed in Honolulu the day before the festival, the day after the day of the festival. It was a two-day festival. So the day before, the two days of the festival, and I left at like six in the morning the day after the festival because I couldn't stomach the thought of spending that money on myself. Now, the day I landed in Honolulu, I was wandering around by myself because even though I knew other people who were performing, they were all staying at a beautiful resort on the beach. And I was ashamed again that I was staying at this, you know, cheapo place and they were all living large. And I was sitting in a cafe and I noticed that there were these three beautiful women sitting at a table together. And I was sitting by myself and they invited me to join them. They were three women. They were all probably in their mid to late 60s, blonde, tan, freckled, kissed by the sun, weathered by time. And it turned out that they were three retired stewardesses who had all retired in Honolulu and were living in a condo nearby the cafe. And they engaged me in conversation and I was talking to them for a little while and I became a little tearful 
probably because I was vulnerable, vulnerable from the jet lag. And I told them a little bit about the guilt I felt at being in Honolulu and having spent this money on myself. And I told them about my mother and my boyfriend and all the other people I knew and loved who couldn't afford to go to Hawaii. And they were lovely and they were compassionate and they were kind. And I excused myself to pull myself together in the, in the ladies' room. And when I came back, they were gone. And they had paid for my lunch, and there was a piece of paper sitting next to my plate. And the piece of paper was a little note to me. And the note said, Dear Kate, I'm so proud of you for investing in yourself. And I'm so glad you're here enjoying Honolulu. This is your permission slip to live your life fully, no matter what is happening to other people, you enjoying yourself has no effect on their sorrows. Enjoy yourself regardless. Love, Mary. And I want to tell you that that note is still in my wallet to this very day. So my friend, I want you to consider this episode your permission slip to enjoy your life no matter what is happening to people around you. You can have empathy for them. You can love them. You can listen to them. But you sacrificing isn't going to change their circumstances. You loving yourself and living your life can only lift them. It can only lift them. It can't hurt them. It can only lift them. I hope that sinks in for you. Okay. I want you to take a couple of deep breaths and close your eyes. And I want you to think and focus for a moment. We're going to pull a card. Because that's how I'm going to close every single episode of this show. Until I change my mind because I'm giving myself permission to let this evolve and let this change. So I'm going to shuffle my cards and I want you to think about something, something that's on your mind. And we're going to pull one card for guidance. And like I've said before, and I'll say again, it doesn't matter that this is a playback that you're listening to possibly weeks after I've recorded this. It doesn't matter. All that matters is this card is for you in this moment. So I'm pulling a card. This card is for me, and this card is for you. And we got the Two of Pentacles. The Two of Pentacles is all about staying in the flow of a project staying in the flow of your abundance, building yourself up and building your abundance and just letting that, those ideas and those money-making ideas come in and allowing yourself to have what's good because you're working for it and you're working on it. 
You are worthy of it, and it is yours. Thanks again for listening to Your Magical Midlife. I'm your host, Kate Higgins. I am a coach, and I do offer individual coaching sessions. You can check out my website, which is www.yourmagicalmidlife.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at yourmagicalmidlife, and you can send me an email at, you guessed it, yourmagicalmidlife at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I look forward to helping you ignite the joy and the magic in your midlife. See you next week.